Once again, welcome to the Bridge Church, reaching people like you. Glad that you're with us this morning and everybody's wide awake, right? You know, if you weren't awake and you started to drive in, maybe the roads got your adrenaline a little pumped up, right? Glad that you're here and everyone's safe. Uh, this morning, we will be reading from uh, Luke chapter 5 in uh, just a few minutes if you have your Bible's apps, however, we'll have that message, we'll have the scripture for you on the PowerPoint projector behind me. Uh, let me. Let me start out by saying Happy New Year, of course. Happy New Year, Christmas is over. No, Christmas is never over, especially if you say it's a Christmas miracle all year, right? It's a Christmas miracle. Happy New Year. This being the last Sunday of 2021, can you believe it? It's almost like, uh, man, the year just flew by. I don't know about you. And as I was praying, seeking the Lord throughout the, the week, last couple of weeks really about the, this message, I, I, felt, um, I felt encouraged, inspired. I felt led to uh, uh, not, to not reflect back on the year. You know, we're going to be doing that in February on the 20th at our annual business meeting a little bit. So not to spend time this morning reflecting uh, back on the year, but to look ahead on the upcoming year. Aren't you thankful we're going to do that today? We're going to look ahead. We're going to look ahead. And as I said last week, during our celebration of burning the mortgage of our building, we're debt-free. What an awesome thing that is. But as I said, that the Lord is, is getting us. When I say us, I'm meaning the Bridge Church, the fellowship, the body of Christ, the body of believers. He's getting us ready for something new in the upcoming year. I sense it. I feel it. I don't know what that is, but i uh, just really been seeking the Lord, and, and uh, that leads us to where we are today here in Luke chapter 5 as part of that, part of that process. So we're going to dive right in, and I'm going to explain a little bit about our text this morning uh, before we read uh, the three verses uh, out of chapter 5, the three verses that we're going to focus on. Here in, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus Jesus had uh, been answering a series of questions that had been fired at him, uh, really, uh, really with, with them not wanting to answer, so to speak, is uh, more than just, you know, just fired at him. They're not happy. More, more people are following Jesus. They're leaving the religious leaders. They're jealous and they're not happy. So uh, Jesus had been answering a few of these questions that had been fired at him by this group of religious leaders here in the text that we're looking at. It had to do uh, with fasting. The questions they asked they asked Jesus, they sprung from their struggling. These religious leaders, they're struggling. All right, they're, they're not only jealous, but they're, they're struggling with the things that Jesus and his disciples were doing. What they were doing. They were doing new things, okay? They're doing something new. New uh, things being done in, in a new way that they weren't used to. Not according uh, to the old ways and the patterns of their religion, which was Judaism. So Jesus is challenging them, and they're, they're struggling, so they're firing these questions. New things are happening. So after briefly answering the religious leaders a specific question, Jesus sums up his answers with a couple of illustrations here that we're going to look at. We're only going to be looking at uh, one of the illustrations out of the two that he gives uh, just because of the sake of time, all right? So in Luke chapter 5, verse 37 and 38, I've kind of set the text up for you a little bit, and we're going to read just one illustration, and it reads like this. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wineskins. All right? You're going to hang on those words. This morning, I hope to challenge you as we head into a new year to be ready and willing to receive from God. I hope this morning that you came here, not wanting to play church. Okay, I don't want to play church. You know, uh, I, I think I said this in the first service. If, if you want your pastor to pray church, then you better get ready to vote me out in the upcoming year. 
okay? Because I don't want to play church. I want to challenge you, and my hope, my desire, my prayer throughout this week is that you would be challenged. I, I've been praying that the Holy Spirit would touch everyone that is perhaps watching on social media today and everybody in this place. My prayer is that you are attentive. My prayer is that you're open and you're ready to receive from the Holy Spirit today. I can't think of a better way to start the year. The only, the only better way to start the year is if you're not a born-again disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I pray today that you confess and you ask Jesus into your heart. But for the rest of us, those that are born-again believers, I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you and fill you anew and do something in your life as we begin this new year. The, the title of this message, if there is one, I guess, would be New Year, New Wineskin. New Year, New Wineskin. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for our time. I ask your blessing upon it. I pray, God, that you would silence all our electronic devices. You would silence uh, the enemy of our soul who's already trying to throw those fiery darts about our to-do list today or this or that or, or, or whatever's going on. Lord, I, I pray right now that each one of us would hear from the living God in a powerful, profound way this morning as we head into the new year. That we would be emboldened, we would be encouraged to begin the year, Lord, with a new wineskin. A new wineskin, allowing more of your filling in, in each and every one of us. So I thank you for our time. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read part of that text one more time as we start. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. Now, what does all this mean? New wine, old wineskins, new wineskins. What is Jesus saying? What, what does he mean? Using this illustration of wine being poured into old, uh, old skins versus the new skins. You see, in our, in our modern Western world, we wouldn't think of pouring liquid into animal skins at all, would we? I could probably think maybe one or two people in this place that might like to explore with that possibility. Please do not offer me a drink. We pour liquid into some kind of bottle, don't we? I don't know about animal skin containers at all. I don't even know where a person would get such a container. Uh, you know, I don't know. I've never searched every aisle in Walmart. Maybe Walmart has uh, an animal skin container available for you to purchase at any time. I don't know about it. I think it is probably safe to say that most of us living today are clueless about animal bottles. We're clueless. But understand something. Jesus was using an illustration that, every, that everyone in this day that he's speaking to would have understood immediately and completely what he was talking about. Everyone would have understood right away what Jesus was saying to the religious leaders that he's confronting. New wine put into old wineskins would have been a terrible mistake that no one in this time they would ever make. They wouldn't do it. They all knew that the new wine, since it was still fermenting, would burst old wineskins that were brittle and old. They were brittle. They, they were done. They all knew this. They all knew that the old wineskins would, the old wineskins would rip and the wine would be, would be lost. They all knew that about, they all knew about animal skin bottles. They all knew about the animal skin bottles, how the neck of the animal became the neck of the wineskin. Are you thirsty yet? You know, often here at the church, we have people bring in their, their water bottles, their special bottles, and, and, uh, and for some reason, that is one of the number one items that people leave, and our lost and found fills up with those bottles. I'm so thankful that we haven't had to put an animal skin bottle in our lost and found yet. It might find its way in the trash. 
You see, they all knew how, how, the, how the hide was stripped of hair and it was cured and how it could be used to store wine. Are you thirsty? They all, they all knew that after a while, however, these wineskins, they became rigid, they became brittle. They all knew that after the skins had been stretched and shaped, that they would begin to lose their flexibility. They all knew that. It was common, everyday knowledge that you couldn't put the new wine into old skins. And it was also common that they made, it was also so common that they actually made a proverb, a proverb out of it. It became a, a common saying, just like we have one of our common sayings that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Isn't that right, John? You can't teach an old dog new tricks. We're very familiar with that proverb. So they had a proverb as well. You, you don't put new wine into old skins. This well-known proverb was told with, with what, what a waste, meaning when they would say that out of sarcasm. You don't put new wine into old wineskins. You're being wasteful. You're, you're not thinking this through. So that's why they would say this, this proverb. Understand, Jesus was saying to these religious leaders... If I conformed to your old ways, what a waste that would be, fellas. What a waste that would be. You don't put new wine into old skins. What a waste. I'm here for something much, much more, and that's why Jesus came. Jesus was telling them, and he's telling us, telling them very clearly that he was not coming to reform their religion. He's not coming to reform their religion. He was bringing something new, something fresh, and that meant change. That meant something new was about to take place. How many of you know, how many of you know Jesus wants to do something new in your life? What do, you, what do you mean, Pastor Jay? I'm, I'm a born-again disciple of Jesus. I have, I have arrived. No, you haven't. No, you have not arrived. You're, you're on a journey just like the rest of us. Do you know everything about God? Raise your hand. Do you know everything about God? Not one hand went up. Thank you, Jesus. Because we can't know everything about... If you could know everything about God... You wouldn't be here this morning because you already would have moved on. I already know everything about God. What's next? You will never know everything about God. Even when you get to eternity, we will never know everything about God. That's why he is the big G God. Okay? That's why he's the big G God. And Jesus wants to do something new in your life each and every day. Each and every day. How many of you know Jesus wants to do something new in our churches? If he wants to do something new in you, you are the church, you are the body of Christ. He wants to do something new in our churches. Well, what, what, what do you mean? We're not playing church. We're not playing. I never was the kind of person that liked to play make-believe growing up anyway, playing house and doctor or whatever, you know, and I sure don't like to play church. How many of you know it would be easy as a pastor to, to settle in and be complacent and play church? Right? Work Sunday, play golf six days a week. Right? That's not what pastors do. That's a bad joke. We probably should stop telling it. I'm pretty passionate about today's message, and hopefully you're going to see why. It's a new year. God has something new for each and every one of us, and God wants to do something new in this church. You see, I believe that there is an application that we're going to look at. There, there is a great application in this illustration, in these two verses that we looked at uh, of the wine and the wineskins for each of us today. The new wine, it represents the current, fresh ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church. That's what the new wine is, okay? Ephesians. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, And be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, so it's not talking about being drunk with that kind of wine. It's being filled with the Spirit. The new wine is the Spirit. God's new wine is His Spirit. And the wineskins, okay, the wineskins are you and I. He's the new wine, and we are the wineskins. And we're going to talk about what shape or or what condition our wineskins should be. We are the wineskins that the Lord desires to fill with his spirit and to use. The wineskins speak of the structure, okay? They speak of the structure and the uh, the content of your life. That's what the wineskin represents, Now in verse 37 of Luke chapter 5, it speaks of the old wineskins bursting. Do you see where we're going with this? The old wineskin bursting. And I believe that the old wineskins, the old structure of our lives, the old ways, they need to, they truly need to burst in order for us to become a new wineskin, containers fit for the new wine for the Holy Spirit. Are you still with me? I believe God, I believe God would have the old man, the old ways burst apart right now so that we can truly become new, filled, and fruitful instead of bursting apart in destruction later on down the road. I am sensing that God wants to burst the old wineskins in all of us this morning and get ready for the new year. Are you with me? Have you know that it, how many of you know that it can be painful? You see, bursting the skins means change. How many of you like change? A few of you like change. The rest of you don't care for it so much. And that's normal. Bursting the skins, bursting the old wineskins, bursting our skins to be filled with the new wine, more of the Holy Spirit, means change. When we are talking about the bursting of the old skins, we are talking about the need for change in order to become more and to contain more. All right, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18. This is why I know this. But we all born-again believers, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory, looking at the reflection uh, in the glass, the glory of the Lord, are changing into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So there it is. The Lord wants us to be in constant change spiritually as we're walking with him, meaning he fills us and we change. So guess what? If you're a born-again disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you should want change. You should desire change. That's what it's telling us because as we change, we behold his glory more and more becoming like the Lord Jesus Christ. A true born-again disciple of Jesus means we are ready for and excited about change in our lives. Let me say that again. A true Born-again disciple of Jesus means we are ready for and excited about change in our lives. And I'm talking about spiritual change. Now, how many of you like change? That is the reason we have to get rid of the old skins in our life. You see, old skins, they, they rip open because they cannot expand, right? They rip open. Old skins, they tear apart because they do not have the ability to enlarge their capacity. New wine skins, however, they expand as the wine is poured in, right? Because they're still stretchable. And God, he wants us to expand, to change, and grow in our, in our personal life, to grow, to grow in our marriage. How many of you know marriage takes three? It takes you and you and the Lord also. It takes the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ in the middle of your marriage. You want to have a great marriage? 
I've been married for 28 years. I, I tried a few years without the Lord, and it almost fell apart. But when I sought the Lord personally, and we invited the Lord into our marriage, and we gave our heart to Jesus, then we started to have the marriage that God would have us. You see, to expand, to change, to grow in your personal life, to, to grow in your marriage, to grow in, in, in godly parenting. You know, God has a way for us to parent our kids. And, and I don't know about you, our kids are, 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 are old and grown, we're empty nesters, but I still, I still cry out for them because I, I want to be, uh, even to this day, I want to be a godly parent, a godly grandparent, right? Godly grandparents. You know why we're grandparents? That's reward for not killing your kids. Right? I see hands going up. Yes, you can have a spoonful of sugar. Now go home. But you see, that's what God does in our lives. It's not, it's, it just grows out so much more in our personal lives, our marriages, to, to be a godly parenting, to have those skills, to, to grow in our character, to grow in our abilities, to, to grow in our knowledge of him. No, we will never know everything about God, but we can learn more and more about him as we walk with him. More and more. So we can't just say, well, I can't know everything about God. I'm done. No. That's a challenge to learn and grow as much as you can, to know as much as you can about him so you can be more like him. You see, it's about bursting the old skin and taking on the new. New wine requires, it requires a change of skin. Periodically in our life, it requires that change of skin so we can expand more, so we can hold more of his spirit, more of that wine, the spirit of God in our lives. But we also have to understand that when I'm speaking of bursting of the skins, I am speaking of taking on a new shape. How many of you like to take on a new shape? Right? Hey, round is a shape. New Year's resolutions. Lord bless you for making those New Year's resolutions. I, I pray you make it more than four weeks. I think that's my record. It's four weeks. One time I did a New Year's resolution that I was going to eat an apple a day every year. I think I made it four weeks. We're going much deeper than New Year's resolutions today. This bursting of the skins and allowing a new skin, the new flexibility to expand, to grow bigger than the skin that we had before. Bursting the skins means, it means taking on a new shape. A new shape spiritually in our, in our lives. You see, old skins are limited in their size, right? They're limited in their size by past experience. But as new wine skins expand, they take on the shape of what fills them. Which is fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, the shape that fills them to be more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is wanting to fill our, our lives, to shape us, mold us, and to be like Jesus. Jesus. That's why we're born again disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that's why. To be like Jesus. Not to get dressed up once a week and, and come to church and say, look at me, I'm a born again disciple of Jesus. No, it's to be like Jesus. To take on his shape. In word, in deed, well, I don't know how, how Jesus is. Read the four Gospels. Read about his life, his character, his challenge. Obey what he teaches. You see, old wineskins are already pre-shaped, aren't they? They've already been filled. They, they, can't be, they can't grow anymore or they're just going to burst open. They have been formed or molded by their past contents, by what, uh, by what use uh, they've been filled with. You see, we can be old wineskins simply by being shaped by the world, right? Shaped by society, shaped by culture. We can allow that to shape us. We can be an old skin in our thinking and thought patterns. We can be an old skin in our philosophy and, and in our attitudes about things, right? We can't expand anymore because we're stuck there. 
Now, we're not talking, understand me this morning, I'm not talking about age or years when we were speaking of an old skin. You can be a teenager in this place or watching. You can be young, a teenager, and be an old skin spiritually, right? You can. We can be an old skin by our secular lifestyle and our speech. That's all we can expand because we, we haven't changed it. We can be a bunch of old skins because of the worldly habits and the addictions we get caught up in. We can be old skins by conforming to, to traditions and religions, and that's one of the biggest ones that people conform to and don't ever break out of, of that old skin. Do each of us truly understand how easy it is to become religious? Religious. Do we understand how easy it is to fall in tradition and religion to become religious? Have any of you ever shared your faith with somebody, friends or family? And I know it's happened to me a lot. Oh, I, yeah, I tried that religion thing once. I don't, I don't really care for religion. And, and you know, when, if anybody ever says that to you, just say this if you've never done this. So, well, I don't, I don't like religion either. As a pastor, when I say that, I hate religion. They just look at you like a dog looking at a new dish. <laughs> what do you mean you don't like religion? I don't. I don't. I, I like true religion that it speaks about in the book of James, right? What does it say true religion is? To take care of the widows and the orphans, uh, orphans and keep yourself from being polluted from the world. We always forget that part. Oh, true religion is taking care of the widows and the orphans. No, read the rest of it. And keeping yourself from being polluted from the world. See, that's doing something. That's, that's religion according to the Bible. But I like to tell people, I don't like religion. I hate religion. I hate traditions. I hate the whole thing. I love having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that's the difference. And that's what causes people to say, tell me more. What does that mean? What does that mean? You see, people become religious when they become more dedicated to the wine of the past. When they come, become more dedicated to the wine of the past than to the new wine of God's current working, right? Right? We're going to hold on to the dead horse ministry, right? We're going to hold on to the wine of the past. We're going to ride that dead horse all the way to heaven. It's not effective. It's not reaching people for the kingdom of God, but that's the way we've always done it. Get off the dead horse, I say. If it's not effective, if it's ministering to us for it no more, I'm done with it. Do you hear me this morning? That's how we should be as the church. Yes, try new things. If any of you have been around me long enough, know that I'm crazy. I'll try anything new, and if it doesn't work, we move on. If it works, we do more. If it's effective, we do more. I want to stand before the Lord. I've shared with you guys. I want to stand before the Lord and, and just have him look at me and just kind of shake his head. You're one crazy cat. I do. You're one crazy cat. But well done, good and faithful servant. You didn't take your talent and bury it. You tried a lot of crazy things that didn't quite work. But you tried. See, that's the kind of church I want to be, you guys. That's the kind of church I want to be. I want to reach people. And I pray that's the kind of church that you want to be. That's the kind of church you want to belong to. When you become more dedicated to the wine of the past than to the current work of God in your life, you become religious. You do. You see, we should be praying this, Lord, burst 
burst the old skins of religiosity, of sin, of complacency, of habits, of thought patterns. Lord, burst the skins because I want more of you. See, that's, a, that, that's our prayer. That's my prayer. Church, the old skins need to burst. We are to, to be shaped, we are to be shaped or patterned after, uh, we are not to be shaped or patterned after this world, are we? We are called out. We are pilgrims. We are not to be shaped or patterned any way in this world. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't conform to it. Don't be shaped by it. But we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You see, the call to be new wineskins is a call to be shaped with God's shape. A renewed mind to be shaped with God's shape. To be in the world, but not part of the world. To be, to be formed with the form of God. To move with the move of God. To be in step with God. God, where, what shape? Where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? We're going to talk more about that in a few minutes. Listen, it is impossible to truly know the new wine, the fresh touch of God's Spirit, if you are hanging on to your old skins. But many of us have confessed, you know, it, it's, it's, I don't like change. I, I'm, I'm comfortable right here. You know, God's filled me with just enough. We can't be that way. You see, it's, in, it's extremely, extremely important that we let go of the old skins and become the new wineskins for God's spirit because he has something new for each and every one of us today. Do you believe that? I mean, do you truly believe that? I pray that you do. You see, we need to allow the old skin to burst. This makes sense when, when we look at this word burst and understand the deeper meaning that carries throughout our Bible. So we're going to do real quickly uh, for the next few minutes, we're going to do kind of a, a little word study on, on this word burst. And it comes from this Greek word, and it's uh, rig numai. Everybody say rig numai. There, you just learned a Greek word. Now I'm going to tell you some of the, the ways that, that it translates throughout our Bible. It is used seven times in the New Testament. Three times it is translated like here in Luke chapter 5 as the word uh, burst, to break forth, okay? The other four times it is translated to, to, to break forth, as I said, to, to slam or to tear to pieces. Rig numai. To slam, to tear to pieces, to break forth. And I believe the word, this word study on this word um, rignumai or burst can help us understand why bursting of the old skins, why getting rid of the old skins and becoming new skins is so important. So the first reason is this. Old skins will keep you down. New skins will cause you to soar. How many of you would rather soar than then stay down. The two times that rig numai, the word for burst translated to slam, is in the context of demonic power slamming a person to the ground. Okay? One incident is found in Mark chapter 9, the other in Luke chapter 9, where a demon-possessed young boy is thrown down. I want you to look at it with me. Luke chapter 9, verse 42. While he was still approaching Jesus, the demon slammed the demon Rignumai, him, the young boy, to the ground and threw him into a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. So here's the deal. The enemy of our soul, the devil, would like nothing better than to keep you down to keep, and to keep the church down. To keep you down as an individual and keep the church down to keep the church from doing what God has called us to do. The devil will use the old skins to continually body slam us to throw us time and time again. Just stay in your old skin. That's, that, you know, just stay there, he says. Just stay. He, he just wants to slam us. You know, you, you try, maybe, you know, uh, you know I'm going to get, I'm going to, the New Year's coming, my New Year's resolution, I'm going to get up every morning and I'm going to read my Bible before I do anything. First day comes, 
January 1st, 2022, Saturday morning. You got your Bible, you got everything ready, you're going to start. The devil decides to rig new my you, to slam you. See, you don't really need to do that. You don't really. Square Pants cartoon is on. You can watch that Saturday morning. Showing my age. Bugs Bunny, Roadrunner Hour. See, he wants to slam you. He, he doesn't want your old skin to burst. He doesn't, want your, he doesn't want more of a filling. He doesn't want you to grow and reshape. That's what this is saying. He, he wants to slam us. He wants to body slam. He wants to keep us down. We, we face all that, all of us. You see, we're not going to soar. We're, we're not going to soar with our old skins on you guys. We're, we're not going to go any further than we are. The old skins will will keep us from being and doing all that God wants us to be and to do. It's time. It's time for you and I as individuals and as the church to do as Isaiah 40, 31 says, one of my favorite verses. It says, to mount up with wings like eagles. To mount up with wings like eagles. To do what? Sit in the barnyard and, and pick the grass? No, what does an eagle do? He soars. To mount up with wings like eagle and to soar. You see, it's, it's time for the church, it's time for us to soar, not to be continually slammed down by the enemy. It's time for us to soar in our personal lives. It's time, it's time for the bursting of the old skins. The second reason we should seek the bursting of the old skins in, in order to become containers for new wine is this. Old skins bring ruin and destruction. New wine skins bring growth and life. Okay? Old skins bring ruin and destruction. They keep us stagnant, complacent. We don't go anywhere. The word for burst, rignumai, is used in Matthew chapter 7 in a very violent way. There is a, uh, listen to this translation. It comes, this translation means to tear to pieces. Matthew chapter 7 verse 6. It says, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Turn and rigmai you. Understand, if our old skins do not burst and give way to new wineskins to be shaped by the Holy Spirit, the old skins will turn around and bite us. Old skins are dangerous. They will ruin and destroy, destroy us. Old skins will keep us from receiving all the good things that God wants to do and pour into our lives. The old skins keep us from changing. The old skins keep us uh, from moving forward. The old skins keep people in, in this attitude that, that I've heard so many times throughout my Christian walk now that, that literally just wants me to walk up to a wall and bang my head against it. The old skin keeps people in this place of, well, I, I've, I've accepted Jesus into my heart, so whatever I do, he has to forgive me. He will forgive you, but the Bible also says, also says to obey the teachings of Jesus. And if you have an attitude that I don't need to obey the teachings of Jesus, but you've accepted him into his heart, I, I will tell you this one thing for sure. I, I don't know, and I can't judge anybody's hearts, but I knew one thing that is true according to the word of God, that you will stand before him one day and give an account. You see, it's dangerous It's Jesus very clearly is teaching these religious leaders that you cannot mix the new things that he is bringing with, with our old ways without being a destructive mix. You can't, you can't live on both sides of the fence. It's destructive. You won't get anywhere. And, and if you don't allow that old skin to break and a new, a new wine more in filling of the Holy Spirit, you're just deceiving yourself. You see, you cannot put the new wine into the old without 
terrible consequences. You see, church, we need to burst or, or tear the old skins now. We need to make way for and become new skins now or else we will lose out. It will bring ruin on us later. I hope this is challenging some of you. Don't live in this destructive place anymore. Don't say my wineskin is shaped just perfect. I'm good to go because it's not. You're fooling yourself. The third reason we should seek the bursting right now of the old skins and seek the new wineskins is this. Old skins do not produce and the end result is barrenness. To be barren. New skins are effective and fruitful. This Greek word, rignumai, can be understood in the idea of breaking forth, as we've been saying, and is used in Galatians chapter 4, 27, where it describes a barren woman moving from a place of sorrow into a state of gladness and joy. Galatians chapter 4, verse 27 reads this way. For it is written... Rejoice, barren woman, who does not bear, break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For more numerous are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband. So here the Apostle Paul is quoting Isaiah 54. God causing his people to be fruitful. Bursting the old skin is moving from barrenness into the joy of fruitfulness. A barrenness, and I, I really believe, uh, we're going to dive into what that means a little bit from Genesis, but I, I really believe when I think about this, the reason, as I said last week, the reason that we see a lot of born-again disciples, Christians, whatever you want to call it, born-again disciples of Jesus, the reason that I think we see uh, so many of them and why the world looks at Christians as like they're just so boring and they, don't, they seem not to have any joy, it's because, because they're barren. They're not fruitful. They're not doing anything for the Lord, so they're unhappy. You see, Israelite women, often they wept bitterly as a result of their barrenness, not, not being able to have children. You see, Jewish women, they took to heart God's command to replenish the earth and God's promise to Abraham to multiply the seed that would bring forth the Messiah. So if they couldn't have kids, they, they were all praying, you know, hey, this, I may birth the Messiah. And so if they couldn't have kids, because of this, as I was saying, because of this, barren women like Rachel in Genesis chapter 30, she would cry out, give me children or else I die. You see, church, it's time that the barren church began to cry Give me children or else I die. You see, that's what's going to bring joy to our lives. Give us souls or else we die. Lord, fill the empty seat next to me. Lord, use me to reach people with the good news. Lord, what can I do? Least I die. Lord, how do I invite people to church? Well, that's the pastor's problem. That's the pastor's job. Uh, that's why I pay money to the church so we can spend big money in advertising and all those things, which we don't do because it's a waste of money. You know, statistically, they still say, Throughout all the years of being a follower, I watched this statistically, and they still say that the number one way that you're going to fill those seats around you is by you personally inviting people. Did you know that? Why did you ever go to church the first time? Did somebody invite you? You think God wants you to invite somebody? God wants me to invite somebody. I'm speaking to myself too, you guys. 
But we need to invite people. We need to invite people to come. You see, God has designed the church to be barren. Are you awake? God has designed the church to be fruitful. God has designed the church to be fruitful. God has designed the church to be fruitful. To be filled with joy. How do I know this? Because Jesus said this in John chapter 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And on John, in John 15, 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. One of the main reasons why we should allow God to burst the old skins and make us into new wineskins is for the purpose of fruitfulness. To be fruitful. You see, new skin people, believers who are filled with the new wine of the Holy Spirit, are not barren. We're not barren. They have fruit and are fruitful. You see, it is like this. Everything that lost and hurting people need should be hanging on the limbs of the church. What? Jesus is the vine. He's the main artery. He's what gives life. We remain in him and we are a branch. This is where the answers are for the world. It's not Donald Trump. It's not Joe Biden. It's not, it's not City Hall. It's not the White House. It's not the Pentagon. It's right here. Okay? The answers hang on the branches of the church. Hurting people, desperate people, need this. They need to hear, and we don't hit them over the head with it. It may have appeared that way, but that's not what we do. Right? The love of God, a love that the world so desperately needs, should be hanging on the limbs of the church. Are you hearing me? The healing and restoration of homes and families is not Oprah Winfrey. It's not Dr. Oz. I don't even know. It's not any of those things. Turn off the TV and open the Bible. You see, the healing and restoration of homes and families should be hanging on the limbs of the church. I'm so passionate about it. I get so sick and tired of hearing about this and that. And it should be us. The joy and true satisfaction should be hanging on the limbs of God's people. Man, why are you so happy and joyful all the time? Come and try this. Let me tell you why. Mercy and forgiveness should be hanging on the limbs of, of us, of the church of God's people. Truth and integrity, character and power should be hanging on the limbs of the church. Integrity, character. Hope and peace hanging from the limbs. Grace and acceptance hanging from the limbs. Salvation and deliverance hanging from the limbs of you and I. But listen, the, that fruit will not be there if we are not living, if, if, if we're living in the old skins, excuse me. It won't be there. The old skins, they, they need to burst so that we can move from a place of spiritual barrenness to a place of fruitfulness. You see, the cry of the church should be, give us children, lest we die. Give us souls, Lord, lest we die. Help us to share the good news. The desire of the church should be to be, uh, should be, to be fruitful and effective. This is where I want to go this year. I, I, 
been praying. I have some ideas and I'm waiting for God to confirm some things. <laughs> We've been doing a lot of building projects around here. 13 years I've been here. Everything from a car driving through the building, from somebody starting a fire in the kitchen to, <laughs> to new rooms to bless our kids. You know what? I, it, it's time to build us up spiritually. I'm not saying that hasn't been going on, but that is where we're going. To bear spiritual fruit. And I hope you guys will come along for the ride, come along on the journey. I hope and pray that you're ready to let the old wineskin of our perception, religion, whatever, I hope you're ready to let it burst and just let a new skin form, a new shape, bigger, better, as the Holy Spirit pours into you and, and does incredible things in your life as you move forward in this year in such a time as this. I want to close with a, with a history lesson today. Nothing is impossible with God. I want, I want to close. Some of you have studied this and you're very familiar with it. So you'll just get a, a, a re-whatever history lesson. Some of you may, you may have heard of it, but you've never heard of all the details. And I want to tell the story because I want you to be challenged. If God can do that then, he can sure do it now. He could do something different. It's about a, a revival. A great spiritual awakening that happened, it's, it began in Wales. The whole country, the country of Wales, from the city uh, to the mines, was all aflame with the glory of God, it says. The leader of that great spiritual awakening, of course, was the Holy Spirit, but the person that God used, the leader of that great spiritual awakening that happened, that began in 1904, a few years ago now, was a young Welsh miner, a young man who was a miner. He... He possessed no skills as a speaker, nor was he a widely read person. The only book he knew was the Bible, and his heart burned with passion for God and his holy word. He burned with passion. His name was Evan Roberts. He was a Christian, and at the age of 25 began to cry out. He, he began to cry out daily that God would change him and use him. It was during that time of crying out that the Lord, uh, that the Lord uh, that day came, um, that the Lord came that day and literally filled Evan Roberts with new wine, uh, with this new wine, the, the spirit and the power, his Holy Spirit. It was while Evan was in prayer that God gave him a vision. Gave him a vision and revealed to him that a revival was coming to Wales and that one that 100,000 unbelievers would turn to Christ. It was then that the Holy Spirit filled, filled, Evans, filled Evans and showed him that the revival would spread like a prairie fire to England and then to Europe and then Africa and then Asia. Burning with this vision and the Holy Spirit's fire, Evan Roberts, he sought opportunity to preach. I, you know, he wants to preach. He wants to tell everybody. But he couldn't find a place to, to speak. He begged, he begged his pastor to let him preach. But at first, the, the minister, he said, no, this, you're just overly enthusiastic. You're just a coal miner. But finally, after much pleading, the pastor, he relented. But listen to what, listen to what he did. The pastor, this is what the pastor told Evan Roberts. He said, all right. All right, Evan, you can preach following the Wednesday night service. You can preach if anyone chooses to stay and listen. This is what he told this young man. 17 curious seekers decided to chance it and stayed late. So this young coal miner, he boldly proclaimed what he had heard from God. His message was very simple. It was four parts. This was his message, that his first message that night. You must confess every known sin to God. Confess it to God. You can't hide it from him anyway. 
Number two, you must remove every doubtful habit from your life. Number three, you must obey the Holy Spirit's prompting. And number four, you must go public with your witness for Christ. So what was Evan Robbins telling those 17 people? This is what he was telling them. You must get rid of the old skins and prepare yourself for something new. And if any of you have ever studied this or know history, it happened. You see, although Evan was unskilled at preaching, the pastor and those 17 church members began to burn with a fiery touch from God. The next night, more came to hear the young preacher, more broke forth with their old skin, wine skins, and the fire quickly spread to other churches. In the next 30 days, 37 37,000 came forward to repent of their sins and receive Jesus Christ as a Savior, as their Savior and Lord. Within five months, you guys, within five months, 100,000 were swept into Christ's kingdom across the country of Wales and Robert's vision was fulfilled. I love this. It's, it's part of their history. Welsh news, newspapers, the newspaper of the day began to print the list of names of those being born into the kingdom of God. True. I might take the paper if it actually had something good to read, right? Colleges... It said colleges closed down and students marched singing and praising God on their way to prayer meetings. I love this. It says that children held their own meetings in homes and in barnyards, emulating their heroes. Their heroes were the ministers of the churches. It all started It all started with one It all started with one man then 17 then a whole church becoming new wineskins for the ministry of the Holy Spirit Did you hear that Men's prayer brigades, they called them, they began to form. These men would pray into the night, sometimes all night, for God to, to wake other men out of bed and convict them of sin and to save their souls. There were reports of men literally crawling out of their bed in the middle of the night, finding a meeting and crying out to the Lord Jesus to save them. How many of you like to see that? How big is your God? Revival broke out in the coal mines. I, I love this part. It was reported that the, the profound language of the miners, right? Because you know how miners are. Unsaved people, they have this profound language. It was said that the, this profound language had changed so much because they had, they had new wineskins. God, the Spirit was just working in them. It, their language had changed so much that the animals that they used to help do the work, uh, they no longer understood them. So they refused to obey them because they didn't know what they were saying anymore. Think about that. The old was bursting. People were becoming new wineskins, church. Just as God had shown him, Roberts saw the revival leap. It, it, it leaped to England. And in, in England alone, there, there are estimated two million, two million people received Christ. Then the Holy Spirit flowed out into Western and Northern Europe. Then the spirit of revival swept across the world. It went to Africa, India, China, and Korea. And then it hit America. How many of you have ever heard of this great revival? 1904, it hit America. Holy fire began to burn from city to city in our country. 
in Atlantic City, New Jersey, in a population of 60,000 at the time, it was said that not even 50 refused to come to the Lord Jesus Christ in that place. In uh, Podoc, Kentucky, Kentucky, the first Baptist church added 1,000 new converts to its role. The pastor, they said, reportedly died from exhaustion. Hey, I'll go out that way any day. In Burlington, Iowa, every store and factory closed so employees could attend prayer meetings. In Denver, Denver, Colorado, the mayor declared a day of prayer. And by 10 in the morning, the churches were filled and another 12,000 packed downtown theaters and halls. In the great city of Portland, Portland, Oregon, 250. 240 stores signed an agreement to close from 11 in the morning until 2 in the afternoon to encourage employees and customers to freely seek God. Could you imagine if that happened down there now? It could. Why couldn't it? That's what Portland needs. New wineskins, new filling of the Holy Spirit. In Los Angeles, Thousands marched in the streets celebrating the coming of the Holy Spirit and 200,000 gathered for a single open-air meeting in Los Angeles. Historians estimate that 20, that 20 million people came to Christ while this revival burned in our, in our country in America. began with one, then 17, and then a local church. How big is your God? So here are my questions. You know I'm not going to leave you here without challenging you. Here are my questions to each and every one of us this morning. Will you be the one? Will this be the will this be the local church that becomes the new wineskins that God can pour his spirit into? That God can shape, that God can use, and that will birth revival in this community? think our community needs revival? We need a revival, church. And you see, it starts with me. And it starts with you. It's where revival starts. It starts with, with people coming for a holy, just God and say, and falling on our faces, on our knees, and falling before the Lord and saying, Lord, I, my community needs revival, but I need revival first. I need revival first. Lord, burst this old wineskin. Burst it. Lord, reshape it. Pour more of your spirit into me so I can go out into this community and make a difference. I think this is a great message as we get ready to start a new year. Forget about your New Year's resolution. Pray this. Ask for this. And I would say to you this morning, it's, it's not enough to know about the new wine. right? It, it's not enough to hear about the new wine. It is time to be new wineskins and experience the power of God. It is time to allow God to burst the old wineskins in our life. To get excited to be the church. A few years ago, many of you know, it's like six years ago, I had to have um, what you would call open heart surgery. Where they had to, oh, they didn't touch my heart. They had to take my thymus gland out. And I had a mass in my chest. Some of you remember that. And, and I remember when I got the, the, got the news and I had this mass in my chest and I found out what they really had to do. And I went, oh my. <laughs> 
a peace came over me, but then I began, I, I began to weep. It wasn't in fear, I just began to weep and these words came out of, out of my mouth. I said, Lord, I want my life to matter. And some of you have said <laughs> that after that surgery, I haven't been the same. I haven't been because I want my life to matter. I want the Bridge Church in our great city of Idaho Falls to matter. If we were to close our doors tomorrow, would it affect our community? Would it? Really, would it? Would it? I want this church, I want this body of Christ, I want life to matter. You see, everything's going to burn away in this life, but what we store up in heaven, our treasures in heaven, they're going to last forever. That's what I mean by wanting my life to matter now. And I, I can't pray it enough for each and every one of us. It's not enough. We have to seek it. See, it's time for individuals in the church it's time for us to know the power of God. And I'm not talking about, you know, juggling snakes and all those things. When, when we say know the power of God, many of us go there. Well, we're well, talking about baptism of the Holy Spirit, all those weird shenanigans that go along with that. You know what? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the power of the living God filling you for a purpose, to do things for the kingdom of God. That's what I'm talking about. It's time for individuals in the church to get up off the ground and not be defeated. The world wants to defeat us. The world wants to put us down. The world says we're not relevant anymore. The message isn't relevant. The Bible isn't current. How's that working out for them? How's it working out for them? How's it working out for you if you when you were a non-believer? It didn't work for me. It's time for the church to be fruitful. It's time for the bursting of the old skins. It's time for the new wine to fill us. I'm going to ask the worship team in just a few minutes. They're going to sing a song, and as they begin to sing, I'm going to ask you to prepare. To prepare your hearts. We're going to take communion after we sing the song for a minute, we'll come back and we'll take communion together. If you didn't get communion, raise your hand. I know there's some people here that will bring it to you. As we begin the new year, I know we're already a little over, but you know what? I don't care. And I'm not trying to not be respectful of your time, but listen to me. To begin to sing the song, I, I want you to—I want you to step out in faith today. I, I want you to step out. I—I I want you to say, you know what? I—I I want this old skin to burst. I—I I, I want you to step out. I want you to be comfortable. I don't want you to to be scared or anything. I want you to come down to an altar. This—the Lord has done more work in me around an altar than any other place in my spiritual journey. There's something about coming to an altar before the Lord. You—you you bear yourself to Him. You—it's a messy place. The Lord meets with you there. You celebrate. It's something about coming to an altar. As we begin the new year, I can't think of a better place than this church to be this morning than to come around the altar if you're comfortable. And I want to challenge you to do it. We're going to come down here and in a few minutes we'll take communion here if, if you would like to do that. So as they begin to sing the song, we're going to turn out the house lights. You can prepare your communion. And I want you, everyone stand if you would. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Are you ready? You hear that Amber Alert? That's the Holy Spirit Alert right now to you. I'm not making light of the Amber Alert, but I'm telling you, wake up. Let's go after the things of God this morning. For such a time as this, let's begin to worship this song and make your way up if you're comfortable with that.